I would like for you to turn with me to uh, uh, the book of Esther, chapter 4. Esther, chapter 4. Um, I am going to focus primarily on uh, verses uh, 13 and 14. However, uh, for proper context, uh, I'll just read the whole chapter. Um, in the fourth chapter of Esther, uh, we we get to the point where um, Mordecai has learned of the uh, horrible plot to destroy God's people. So we pick up in the story uh, there. So Esther, the fourth chapter, I'll read the chapter in its entirety, but we'll focus on verses 13 and 14. Again, Esther chapter four. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuch came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs whom he had appointed uh, to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasures to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go in to the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go in to the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. Now we've, got, now we've come to verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart, that you will escape the king's palace any more 
than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. I, I just want to briefly talk uh, on these verses. I know I said 14, but you can include 15 and 16 in there. But talk on these verses in regards to prayer. I think the three things uh, that we can pull out of these that are very helpful for us uh, as we uh, continue in seeking the Lord uh, in re bringing revival. The first thing uh, that I'd like to bring up as we read this text, sort of a question for all of us, and, and it is to seize the call of the hour. Seize the call of the hour. As you read this text and you think of, of the times that we are living in, I think it's a good question to ask all of us. Do you feel the burden? Do you feel the need to pray? Do you feel that burden? If I could use these words, can you almost taste it? The desperate need for prayer in the hour. And not just any type of prayer. I, if I could use uh, the phrase used in, uh, in this resolution, the need for extraordinary prayer. A need for men and women to grab a hold of God. As I use that phrase, I. I think of men like Jacob who are bold enough to say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Men like Moses who interceded for the children of Israel when the anger of God was burning hot because of their transgression. Women like Hannah who sought the Lord that he would give her a child, and oh, what a man-child was she blessed with. Men like Elijah, the saints of God in the book of James are admonished in confessing our sins and to pray for one another, uh, tells us, the, it, it gives us the example of Elijah and reminds us that the effective or effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I think of men like Hezekiah, uh, if you remember in uh, Second Kings, when the people faced imminent destruction from the king of Syria, the venomous threat that he gave to God's people, I'm reminded of Hezekiah's prayer. I'm thinking of uh, Second Kings 19.15, as Hezekiah goes before the Lord, 
he makes this phrase, such a wonderful phrase. He says, oh, Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells or is enthroned between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Do you feel the burden for prayer, the need for prayer, the need to grab a hold of God? Men and women who are willing to seek God, women and women who desire to know God, do you feel the call of the hour? If so, seize it. Second thing I'd like to remind us on on this, and it's in two parts, we cannot afford not to answer the call. We can't afford. Let's go back and read that uh, verse 13, that second clause. Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. We cannot afford not to answer the call of the hour. Let us not let our temptation uh, to value ease and comfort put us in a position where we regard or have disregard for the things that pertain to God. Let us not let our value of ease and comfort tempt us to neglect our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us not let it tempt us to become lethargic and lazy. We cannot afford not to answer the call. We must seize the call of the hour. And who to tell? This might be for this reason God has raised us up for this hour. And let us be reminded as we read the text, if we do not answer the call, we are expendable. God will raise up someone else. God will raise up another prayer group. God will put the burden on others to pray. As he has already, we cannot, we cannot afford to neglect the call. We must seize the call. Another thing, I said this is in two parts. The second part, when we look at the condition of our society, if it continues in the direction that it's going, is destruction not imminent? I don't know any godly man or woman that would see the desperate condition of our society, the darkness of the hour, that would not cry out to the God of heaven and earth that he would show great mercy. As many of our brethren have in past days, we cannot afford to seize the call of the hour. And the final thing, to remember as we meditate on these verses that prayer does not end simply with this call. Let's go back to the text and read as she said uh, in verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days. Night or day, my maids and I will fast likewise. 
And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according as all, to all that prayer at Esther commanded him. Call, prayer does not end simply with this call. But if I don't think I am wrong in saying this, but the purpose of a call like this is that the fire that is kindled here, that we take it back to our families, our churches, denominations, friends, and do as the Bible says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not give up. Whether it be, it doesn't have to be a, a formal gathering of the congregation, but pray with our families, pray with our friends, pray with the saints, wherever we might be, whether it be on lunch, lunch breaks, whether it be in our homes, whether it be in, in the car, wherever we find the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. And there's very, something very important that I leave us with in that uh, 15th verse. Uh, she says, uh, when she talks, she says, my maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. The Lord might not ask uh, some of us to put our lives on the line, being at war with the state or something of that nature. That might be the case. But for many of us, and perhaps for all of us, it's important that there are some prayers that you and I are going to have to arm ourselves and make up in our minds and our hearts that we will pray these prayers until our dying day. There are some people, family members, co-workers, friends, that we must be willing to go to God for. Be intercessors and say, if I perish, I perish. This might be a prayer that I'm praying for so-and-so until my dying day. But let it be known that when I left this earth, my prayer is that God would save my daughter, my son, my friend, my coworker, whoever it might be. These are things that I'm willing to go to God on behalf of. And if I perish, I perish.